Let's do it. Welcome back to the White Gray Black Weekly Manga Podcast. My name is Bruce. I'm here again with Gautam. What is up? We're here to talk about the latest and greatest ongoing manga releases. Uh, today, just for spoiler warning, we're going to be talking about Fryron at the Funeral or Fryron Beyond Journey's End, Chapter 109, Service Wars, Chapter 1, and Reincarnation of the Suicidal Battle God, Chapter 70. We have a huge block of news to get through, so let's get started with that. Um, first off, this past weekend was Anime Japan, so we got a lot of announcements on new anime that are coming. Um, let me read through this list real quick, and anything you want to give feedback on, Gautam, shout it out. Uh, the first one is Mato Sehe no Slave, Chained Soldier. That is January 2024. That's a series that I read that I think is pretty decent. I know that you don't read that, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, is, it, is it... What's the studio for that one? It's pretty popular, right? It. Uh, who is the studio for this? I feel I'd, like, grab some tweets real quick. And I didn't grab studios. Let's see. I'll just clickety-clack. My anime yeah. list says winter uh, studio. Seven arcs, who I have not. Never. They do Blue Period, Tony Kaku Kawai, Sekirei. Uh, okay, that's good. They did White Album. I've seen White Album. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, mostly looks like majority kind of etchy stuff i would say which which lines up and then tony kaku Kawai, i think is kind of cute slice of life so yeah that lines up with the chain soldier uh incredibly etchy series so i think that yeah, one will be popular yeah. yeah i think that one will be popular um trigan stampede got it the announcement of a sequel which will be the last series will finish their story um i've seen scenes from trigan stampede i think it looks fucking sick uh i really like studio orange who does this they also did um, the Land of the Lustrous, which I thought was amazing, and they also did B Stars. They're the three D, the three D oh, studio. Yeah. So, yeah, well, sweet. I gotta check that out. Yeah, I'm gonna watch that at some eventually. I'm I'm reading Trigun slowly over, whenever I feel like it. So it's still a really good read. Um, this is the big one: Jujutsu Kaisen two season two, which was announced will be two core. Uh, they're going through the Hidden Inventory, Premature Death, and Shibuya Incident arcs. I don't know what any of those means. I have not read Jujutsu Kaisen. I did not like Season 1. Uh, I know that I am in the majority because Jujutsu Kaisen is the big thing, I would say, the big thing in anime right now is definitely JJK. So Yeah, that's huge, man. Uh, also, that doesn't sound like an arc name. It just sounds, I don't know, just like a bunch of words shoved together. I mean, lots of arcs just sound like that, right? I no. I don't. I don't think so. Uh, like they're named after something relevant, but maybe yeah. Hidden, inventory. hidden inventory. Maybe yeah, there's a hidden inventory might be a proper noun in this instance where we're thinking those are just two words. Maybe there's something in the series that hidden inventory refers to that we don't know. Um, yeah. We Tell also. <laughs> yeah, we're also getting more Horimiya, which is interesting. I know that a lot of Horimiya fans were disappointed in the last series i think the last series rushed through uh the manga content that it covered from what i understand this new series is basically just going to adapt more of the manga uh, more of the stories that they skipped since horimiya is pretty episodic like incredibly episodic from the parts of it that i have read and seen okay so yeah more horimiya uh we are also getting 
Spy Family, this is another big announcement in my opinion, um, Spy Family is getting a movie called White Movie um, and a season two. Season two is announced to be in October. I don't know if we got, I don't know if we got timing on the movie. Uh, I would assume it would be before or near the same time. But yeah, more Spy Family coming. Um, that'll get us, I'm trying to think of how far they got. That'll catch us up pretty close to live, I would say. Um, I don't think we will get through the bus hijacking, but we may get through the boat. I would, I would think we're definitely going to get through your and the boat arc. Um, and I don't know what else there's, I'm sure there's other, it's mostly episodic stuff in there also in spy family. So, um, yeah, more, more of that coming. That's, and that's a really, really good anime. So where did they end the show? That's a good question. I didn't watch season two, so let me see. See if I can get an episode list real quick. Spy Family episodes. Okay, so or I guess it was Core Two. Um, they did Project Apple, Yours Kitchen. I think they added some anime original stuff. Oh, they did the tennis arc, Underground Tennis, Tennis Again, Replacing, Shopping with Friends, Eden Academy. Yeah, essentially with the tennis arc and then a little bit after that. So, um Okay. So kind of like the worst arc. Yeah, and I I'm trying to think I some of my friends watch this and they like the tennis arc. So, and I do think that that in an anime form is probably a little bit more entertaining than it was in manga, but I just felt like a filler arc. Even then it wasn't bad. It was just the worst out of anything true, I true, feel yeah. like that series has put out, you know? Yeah, it, it was, was much still, more uh, still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was much more just kind of like, well, this doesn't matter to any of the plot or anything. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. They're just playing tennis. There's it doesn't have your in it like at all until the end. Anya's also not barely in it, so yeah, pretty focused on uh Lloyd and, and everybody else there. But yeah, so more spy family. Um I threw in here at the end Devil's a part timer season three. because uh, I love Devil's a part timer season one. And I heard nothing but bad things about season two. And I've also heard nothing but bad things about the way that that series ends. So I am curious uh, if people are receptive to season three or if they change the ending or what happens there. Yeah. uh, Even season one was just like kind of okay for me. So this is like negative interest in my eyes. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I didn't watch. Love it, so, yeah. yeah, I didn't watch season two, so who okay. who knows if that will be worth it? Um, any other anime stuff that you heard about that I might have missed? Uh, no, I I, I think we already talked about like the Mashal anime and um, yeah, Mashal anime is coming. Um, I'll just scroll. Briarin anime. Uh, I I think I linked you one earlier that I was. I'm forgetting. There was a trailer. Was it the trailer? It was a trailer for Mashal, or maybe it was a trailer for. Oh yeah, uh, we talked about uh, how mo- the Monster Eight key visuals look like. Oh, the part. Monster Eight key visuals. Yeah, yeah, those are rough. Um, if you get a chance, if you're uh, you're a reader of Kaiju Eight, Monster Eight, Monster Number Eight, whatever we want to call it here, um, if you are a reader of that, go check out the released anime. It's not concept art. What do they call it? Character art. Um, uh, it's it's like bad. Key visuals. Key visuals. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Key visuals. Key character art. Um, it's it's not good. It's I I'll just go out and say it. It's very strictly not good. Um, and that's by Bones. I want to say right. Like that's by a pretty respectable 
is good it? studio, I would think. I think it is. Or is it Madhouse? Uh, no, it's a production IG. Production IG. Okay, yeah. Another, I mean, that, that's also a pretty good point. Production IG did... Uh, I'm going to get... I'm going to get flamed. Um, I think they do a million billion things. They do a lot. I, yeah, I'm trying to think of, they've done some good action stuff. I'm just going to Google it. Fuck it. Production IG. Um, I think they're Haikyuu, you know? Did, okay. Five. Okay. I was going to say Haikyuu, but I was like, no, I thought that was something else. Um, yeah, the psychopath. Psychopath. Like That's, yeah. Psychopath is, I think, the, the big one. Um, and the, the key visual guy is the same guy who did, uh, who did the animation on Fully Cooley. And that looked the new Fooly Coolies or the original? Original. Okay, that's the uh, good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and it looked uh, Fooly Coolie looked fucking amazing. So I'm huffing that copium here. And yeah, I mean, Fooly Coolie was also. Bad. I'm hoping it just looks bad still, yeah. but it looks good animated. Yeah, that's my hope too. Because I think Kaiju Eight, yeah. Kaiju Eight, if it's animated well, will be a super sick, super popular series. Which I think and. We were talking about this. The start of Kaiju 8 is the best part. The first 20 or so chapters, I think, are really, really good. Really solid, really new ideas. Maybe not totally new, but, you know, a, a, a different enough and cool enough spin on the shonen genre that I was interested in it uh, at the start. So, Yeah, I think a lot of people were. It was, it was really fun at the start. So uh, hopefully it captures that magic. Yeah, I hope so. Um, let me hold on. Actually, let me share my OBS real quick so you can see it if I'm on it. Um, next thing would be sales stuff. We'll just go through this real quick because there is a lot more to get to. Um, Blue Lock up in first place. Fryerin actually taking number two, which is impressive to have a. Uh, it says it's Shonen, but it's like Shonen Sane and Hybrid, I would say. Um, I have something that's not just a straight Shonen and actually not from Shueisha up in top two. Uh, the blue lock also is Kodansha. Uh, Fryrin is Shogakugan. Um, so yeah, that's those are all very cool. Um, everything else is pretty standard. Jujutsu Kaisen, One Piece, Kaiju 8. Uh, Yofukashi no Uta is here again. Oshinoko is down there at number nine. Always good to see that. Um, five Star Stories at number 10. I looked this up after we talked about it last week. This series started being published in like the 80s. It's a mecha thing and it is still ongoing. And these, so volume 17, these also got reprinted recently. Um, like in the last five or 10 years, they just started reprinting the whole series or maybe updating it or something. So this is a long, long running series. It's very popular. Um, it's mecha, so it's very much uh, mech, sci-fi mecha war stuff. It's the, how would I say it? The Gundam of manga, maybe, maybe one of the most popular uh, mecha manga. So yeah, I mean, like it's it's in our top ten thing? again. So what was that? Because volume volume seventeen isn't very far in, you know. Like, uh, so is this like a reboot or something? No, it's not. Because I had the same thought. I go, oh, okay, it's volume seventeen. They rebooted. No, I think it's monthly, um, or it's taken breaks, or it's just a slow publishing type thing. Um, yeah, this is. I looked. This volume seventeen, I think, is current uh and is not this is not a reprint this is not a redraw this is the same uh author artists etc everything that i could find but yeah just i think it's just an incredibly popular um sort of mecha series that i don't know i've never really heard about over here maybe because i don't know if it has an anime at all so a mecha series without an anime is not recognizable in the west i would say pretty yeah i, I it might not even i don't even know if it has like 
scans or scanlations. You know? Yeah, I so. don't. I don't think it does. I mean, I've never. Yeah, I have not seen it. Um, let me see. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. It started. There was an an one anime film. It looks like, and that's all that's been adapted of it. So, um, yeah, one film adaptation. The five star stories covers the first arc. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's got you know the Wikipedia's got as of five years ago. It has almost you know eight point five million copies. So it's probably coming up on ten million copies, which is a lot of copies sold. So it's uh. Yeah, it's an incredibly popular series. I'm surprised I haven't heard of it. I'm kind of interested to read it, see if it's actually quality or just one of those long-running things. Who knows? Yeah, uh, let me let me know what you think. Yeah, I, I will. Um, here's top for the week by series. Again, Blue Lock, Jutsu Kaisen hops, hops up past Fryrin from other volumes. Uh, one Piece at number four, Blue Lock, Slam Dunk. Yet again, we're going on almost six months of Slam Dunk being in the top ten every week of, in some way. So, yeah. uh, good for good for uh, good for the author there. Oshinoko in seventh. Uh, Mayumashita Rumakun is up there with past things. Kaiju Eight. Yofukashi no Uda. Yeah, we're we are back sort of in the. Uh, we had a couple of weeks there at the start of the year, where Shueisha was not the majority of what was selling in the top 10. And if you were looking here, Shueisha now, I believe, is six of these 10, or maybe five. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, yeah, so they're five of 10 now. So that's, which is, they're usually half of the top 10 or more. So back to the status quo. Shueisha wins it all. Yep, yep. All right. Our next news topic is something that we talked about, I want to say maybe, Right at the start of the podcast, four, four and a half, five months ago, um, the Manga Taisho Awards. Uh, so the Manga Taisho Awards, just to go through what they are real quick. Uh, if you go back to our first episode on the Manga Taisho Awards, we did some predictions, I want to say, in January of these. And we talked about the last year's awards uh, at the end of the year. Um, this is voted on by manga bookstore owners and bookstore publishers and those types of people so this is not voted on by other mangaka this is not voted on by publishers this is pretty much strictly uh bookstore owners so manga taisho awards is kind of a what are you suggesting to people what do you think is the most um suggestible type thing if you run a bookstore you're exposed theoretically to everything that's what these awards are so in our predictions, I think, I know that I was pulling big on Akane Banashi. I know that you were too. I think you also thought mm-hmm. that uh, Goodbye Airy probably had a pretty good shot. I think, I don't remember exactly what our predictions were. I definitely predicted that Akane would win this. The truth is Akane gets second um, and only two votes behind first place. So the way this works is there's 500 or so people probably queried they all vote. Um, every point is assigned, and then you rank them by by number of points. Uh, first place is a series called Korekaite Shine. That is 102 points. Second place is Akane Banashi with 100 points. Um, third place is Orono Sonono Hoshi, 65 points. I've read this. Um, but those are the top three. Akane gets second, just two points behind this other series. Um, so we were close. And uh, let's talk about the first place, because this pulled what I would call an Oscars. Um, and I will explain what that means. The Oscars, and to be honest, the Tonys maybe also like to do this, although it happens less often there. They love to give 
awards to movies about movies, right? That's what I talk about. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about pulling an Oscars here. Um, the first place winner, this Korite Kai Tashine, uh, translated that is Draw This and Die. That is a manga about a girl drawing manga. So first place in the Manga Taisho Awards is a manga about drawing manga. So that is that is pulling an Oscars, in my opinion. That's the Oscars giving Best Picture to Good Night and Good Luck, a movie about movies, etc. Stuff like that. So, mm. Yeah, it sounds masturbatory. Uh, I guess all award shows do that, huh? I mean, uh, yeah. Maybe, all maybe awards are a little bit. But... Uh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, yeah. Maybe this is actually good. Yeah, so this is not... Um, we obviously couldn't provide too much feedback on this. This is not translated into English. This... I think I saw a request, uh, a translation request on Reddit for this the day that it won the award. Um, so if it hasn't shown up today and I've missed it, I bet that it'll be up pretty soon if somebody grabs it. Uh, I am very curious to read it. I'm sure it's great. Um, every other first place of the Manga Taisho Awards that I've checked out has been very good. Um, past winners are stuff like, uh, you'll see uh, The Summer, Hikaru Died, Hikaru Gashin Natsu. That is 11th place this year, but that was first place last year. That's an incredible series. Uh, Chihaya Furu run in the past. Um, yeah, lots of, I mean, lots of big names in, in the winners. Let me scroll through real quick. Uh, yeah, Bride Story, um, Beastars, Blue Period, Fryrin, Fry, sorry, Fryrin run this in 2021, Darwin Incident in 2022, um, that's what we talked about last year. And actually, that's probably an unpublished episode. That was the first episode we recorded, but I don't think that one's public. So maybe that'll oh, okay. be a that'll be a secret reveal and to be a low quality thing, maybe it eventually. But yeah, I mean, past I, nominees. I think that's good to just never post it. And kind yeah, of that one was that's not a good one. But uh, yeah, Darwin Incident won last year. Darwin Incident is very good. Um, Oshinoko has been nominated the last two years. Uh, Dangers in my so, heart. So it's a really maybe, good list. I think this is my favorite manga award. So I don't. I don't think they're wrong about this first place. I'm just curious to see if it's. Is it really that much better than Akane Banashi? Because Akane is really good. Uh, no clue. Uh, so is this just a list of every manga ever that's currently running? Uh, like, what do you mean? Like, is this just pulling from any every manga that's currently running right now? Because this doesn't seem like... No, this is... This so, Manga Taisho specifically, I believe, is... It's like less than four volumes or five volumes published. There's a there's a volume limitation. Um, so, which is why you'll see stuff like... Um, Takabe's Original Sin is here again. Uh, the Summer Hikaru Died is here again after uh, last year. I think Gekuku Kamen was also nominated last year. Uh... A lot of these were brand new, and now they're um, new, but not past the uh, past the upper limits of volumes, so they can still be nominated. So, oh, okay. it is supposed to. So, so, so Takapi can can get nominated theoretically every year forever. I want to say part of it is you have to have both published a volume in the year and not have more than x volumes published so takabe's original sin is over it cannot be nominated in 2023 unless it releases a new volume i believe is how that works so takabe's original sin i believe was releasing volumes through last year um maybe only its last volume or last two volumes right it's only four or five volumes or no maybe even less than that maybe three um but yeah they all goodbye airy i think released early last year maybe middle last year so um 
yeah, stuff like that. Uh, it, it does have limitations. It is supposed to be focused on new series or young, up-and-coming, non-mainstream series, right? So, uh, although stuff like Akane still shows up, stuff like Fryron, which is pretty mainstream, showed up. Um, Chihaya Furu is pretty mainstream, but it, it won back in, I think, like 2011, something like that, so... Fryron at the funeral has more than four, you know, like... I. Well, but it wouldn't have last year. Maybe it's eight volumes. There's there's some volume limit on it that I don't. Yeah, I don't remember exactly. Let me see if I got it. But yeah, so here are the awards. Um, if you're looking on screen, most of the eight or fewer collected volumes in length. Okay, so eight volumes. So I think Fryman probably had eight volumes at the time of nomination because I think we're just now hitting volume ten or eleven. But yeah, anyways. Um. First place, Koyakai Tashine, Draw This and Die, 102 points. Second place, Akane Banashi. That was what I thought was going to take it because it was Japanese-focused. I did not count on a manga about making manga coming from uh, yes, The Shadows. Yeah. Also, no chance we didn't get to read it. Not translated in English. So. Um, third place is Ono no Sono no Hoshi. This is uh, Hoshi's Garden of Girls. Um, there's a couple of chapters of this translated. I've read them. They're pretty fun and interesting. Um, it's pretty lighthearted, but pretty well-written. Um, surprised to see this in third, but I mean, it's definitely pretty good and it's definitely something that I think, uh, appeals more broadly than a lot of shonen stuff. This is, uh, Hoshi's Garden of Girls, I think probably has a much larger female readership than something maybe even like Akane does. Um, other stuff you might notably know in fourth place is You and I Are Polar Opposites. Um, that's 65 points. I think you maybe brought this as an extra discussion couple weeks ago uh, yeah. well it was like months and months ago yeah maybe a couple yeah. months ago um goodbye airy by uh chainsaw and author tatsuki fujimoto that's in seventh place with 44 points um i maybe expect that to be higher but i also think i also think that people know about tatsuki fujimoto and chainsaw man and all his work now so i think that that is recommended less and i think that the voters in the manga taisho award generally avoid hyper mainstream stuff um so uh, i think that I, just I, dropped I, for that reason I think it's just because it's not as modern as some of these other titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just relevant in like the public eye at at the current moment. Because if you look at Takapi and Goodbye Ari and Hikaru, the, the, Hikaru is the winner, right? And now it's like in, 11, in like 11th place or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I think it's just all of what's currently relevant in the public eye uh, yep. that gets like voted up. Yeah. Or at the very least, it is what these voters want to be currently relevant for a time. And then once they've got a popular, they move on to the next thing, which I kind of appreciate to not kind of, you know, give awards to the same people year over year. But yeah. Uh, it, it makes sense. Yeah. A couple other notable things. Um, smoking behind the supermarket is in eighth place. Happy to see that on here. That's a great series. Um, yeah. Takapi's original sin, 10th place. Um, Gekiko Kamen, which I've read, which is really fucking weird. Uh, Nippon Sengoku, which I have not heard of, and Timaku, Tenmaku no Jad, Jadogal, which I also have not heard of. Um, those are fifth and sixth. I might have to look those up and see what they are. But well, sweet, yeah, this is kind of uh, kind of what we expected. I honestly, I, for the life of me, I can't remember our predictions. I think I might have said Takapi would would get first or something like that. Yeah, I think you were uh, probably pulling for Takapi or Goodbye Airy. I think those were both pretty high up on both of our things. Um, I thought this was going to be a tight race between Akane and Goodbye Aries. So um, I do think, I mean, 
if two people change their votes to Akane here from the other first place, or three people from something else to Akane, Akane gets first. Um, I'm so super proud of that series. That's I'm very happy for it. I love reading it. But yeah, so that's the uh, the Manga Taisho Awards 2023. Uh, cool. Okay. So let's go back to the main page. Boy, so let's talk about... Okay, this is maybe actually the biggest news, or at least maybe the most interesting one to talk about. Um, so Weekly Shonen Jump, starting in... Uh, so they do... Is, do they call them volumes? I don't remember. Starting in magazine number 19, which is the one oh, that publishes... Issue. Yeah, issue. There you go. I was like, what is the word? Issue. Issue 19 of 2023, which publishes in Japan on April 10th. We get those chapters on the Sunday after, so April 12th. Um, we are going to get four new series, one a week, starting on that date. This comes alongside the... a. One series being announced canceled this this Sunday, essentially, uh, this weekend, um, and that is uh, Tokyo Demon Bride is canceled in issue 18, which is April 2nd, U.S. for us. Um, that's March 31st in Japan, I think. Um, but yeah, so where do you think we should start? Do we start with what's going to get canceled or what's replacing it? Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about what we think is going to get canned. And sure. I, I think this is, this is not going to be a long discussion because it's... it's I think two, right? I think the other two are... I think the first two are pretty easy and the third one's up for debate, but could be any of them. Yeah. So we have heard Tokyo Demon Bride is being canceled in issue 18. In issue 19, we'll talk about what's replacing it. Um, assumedly, something else will have its last chapter in issue 19 to be replaced in issue 20. Um... The other two replacement issues are 23 and 24, so we will get a cancel. We will get a last chapter, Demon Bride, this weekend. We will get something next weekend, and then we will skip uh, two more, and then two more in a row. So my guess is Tokyo Demon Bride is canceled uh, this weekend on April 12th. I think Ginkka and Luna is canceled. Is probably the next one to go. Uh. Can it wrap it up in two chapters? Yeah, it can do that. I and think, I think it can. I think we are absolutely yeah, two chapters. I think, think uh, Ginka and Luna has gone next. And mm. after that, uh, Cypher Academy. You Not think Cypher Academy, Academy goes? Sorry, uh, Fabricant. Fabricant is what I meant. Fabricant yeah. 100. Okay. See, I think um, based on the ordering I saw of some popularity polls, um, Ichigoki Under Control, right? Which is the weird robot control gag manga. That's gone. That's has not done well. It is also less published, so I could see it going last in the cancellations. Um, I think the last spot is a little up for debate. I, I wrote here that the, the one of either Fabricant 100, uh, Mission Yozakura Family, or Cypher Academy is going to be canceled. Um, I think Ginkun Luna is a write-off. I like that series. There's a lot of potential in that author. I'm curious to see what they're doing. Ginkun Luna wasn't it. It had too many issues early on with its storytelling. Um, although the last like two or three chapters have been insanely good. So I'm super hyped to see what they do next. Uh, it's going to be Ginkka and Tuna on their web magazine. The sequel series. You know, back, I, I would not be unhappy to see Ginkka and Luna with a different, in a, in a different magazine or a different medium or with a different editor would be my thing. Um, but I think Ginkka and Luna has gone. Um, Ichigoki Under Control, I feel like, has to be, or 
just, I think it has to be gone. I don't think anyone reads that or likes it. Um, so you think Fabricant is gone. Of Fabricant, Yozakura Family, or Cypher Academy, you think Fabricant's the most likely to, to be cut? Yeah, probably. But with that said, Ichigoki Under Control is a comedy manga, and you could kind of end those with no setup in one chapter. That's you know, true. you can't really do that with Ginkka and Luna or Fabricant, but you can do that with Ichigoki. You just say, and they all continue their shenanigans later. Right, yep. you know? There's kind of one final gag. Um, yeah. I wrote a little note here. Uh, so I believe Cypher Academy outranked Black Clover for the last couple of weeks. So maybe, this is a this is a big maybe, maybe it's Black Clover being canceled. Um, it would not be the first time something has published, you know, multiple hundreds of chapters, fallen in the sales, and been canceled by WSJ. So that would be a shocker, I, I think. I think I, it would I, be a shocker I, if Black Clover gets canceled over something like Fabricant or Cypher Academy, both of which I think are pretty subpar. Um, I've not read Yozakura Family. Um, have you read any of Mission uh, Yozakura Family? Uh, yeah, like the first like 15 to 20 chapters, I think. Okay. It was fine. Any, anything memorable or just okay, I guess? No, nothing memorable. Yeah. Uh, it was just okay. Like, it, it, was, um, it was one of those things that has is... Like it's a mafia family where everyone is an assassin, so like it's a it's a played out trope. That's that, that is actually a played out trope in Japan <laughs> with the Yakuza. So um, yeah, like like there are a million things like that, like kindergarten wars, assassination classroom, just off the top of my head. Yeah, know, I mean it, even the uh, yeah. uh, that body bodyguard that bodyguard manga we've talked about in the past. That's kind of oh, the same. Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard from that in a while, but yeah, that I've been too. reading. It's still good. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of agree. I think. <sighs> I think Fabricant 100 here feels like the worst, although I'm not familiar with the Yozakura family. Um, that one's been around for 100, more than 100 chapters. Cypher Academy, we mentioned, I want to say last week or two weeks ago, got a reprint on its volume one. It also is attached to a well-known author in Nisoi Isin. Even though I don't like it, and I think we've both dropped it, and I think it does have issues, I think just as far as popularity and sales-wise, I think they're more willing to hold on to Cypher Academy than either Fabricant uh, or Yozakura Family, right? Nepotism. I mean, kind of. I, I mean, Niso Isin is a, is a known property, although his manga have not nearly hit as hard as his light novels. Um... If you go sort of up the rankings, the next two series are Me and Roboco and Blue Box, and I don't think either of those are in any fear of being canceled. So I think it's, I mean, the the, the bottom seven things we've got, right, is Tokyo Demon Bride canceled, Ginkgo and Luna absolutely canceled next or by the end of this thing, Ishigoki Under Control I think also absolutely canceled, and then Fabricant 100 or Cypher Academy or Yozakura Family. Yozakura Family I think is long-standing cypher academy i think has the author attached to it and they're more willing to give it more time to sell well um so yeah i would agree it's probably fabricant 100 is gone uh and i don't know if you knew this but uh comedy manga have a lot more of leniency in regards to their ranking oh yeah so e even if they're towards the bottom uh as long as they're not consistently dead last they have a strong chance of surviving so even though Rob yeah. uh, roboco is like in the bottom half like the majority of the time that thing's probably going to go for a while like no cancellation inside i definitely remember um i didn't i don't know if i was like in the position of picking up and reading new manga when roboco started or if i like read the first chapter and was like this is not for me but yeah i have noticed consistently roboco's been bottom half even bottom three or four when some cancellations come through and is not canceled 
it also has an anime on the way so yeah no no fear there um blue box is good and shouldn't be canceled um it's not perfect but it's still a really good series and that is going to get an anime eventually and that'll that'll be a good anime um yeah i think it's fabricant 100 here is the most likely i would i would say oh let's let's do it this way um do have you ever done a 90 50 10 prediction i think maybe we did this okay 90 50 10 is 90 percent What's the last cancellation? 50% and 10%. So my, like, all that's set up to say my 90% is it's probably Fabricate 100. My 50% is maybe it's Cypher Academy. Maybe it's, maybe they think it's not holding up and it's gone. Uh, My 10% is it's Black Clover. It's just bad. It's, maybe it's just bad and it's time to cancel it. I don't know. That would seem like, uh, doesn't seem likely to happen. Uh, yeah. I, I would say 90%. I I would say the same, except, I don't have a 10% and I don't think black clover will get canceled. I don't think yeah, there's any way. I don't think either. Um, it yeah. would be wild if it happened. We would have uh, we'd have more news to talk about. Certainly. Yeah. I mean like the anime was st- like popular when it came out, mm-hmm. it, it had like a really good studio behind it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just, I just think it's around to stay. Plus it's a long running IP. So mm-hmm. it, I, I feel like it has an established, like, there's no risk in it. You know what I mean? Like it has right, established, yeah. an established audience already. So, uh, I, I feel like it's safer for jump to just keep it around for a bit. Yep. I would agree. Um, any other, any other comments on cancellations, anything you want to mention? No, I think we covered all of them and, uh, I, we didn't really talk on demon bride, but we didn't really read demon bride. So, yeah, I mean, I read, I think the first three or four chapters and it was fine. I went back and read, chapter maybe three or four weeks ago and it again was sort of like oh this is okay um it's not great i don't think that author is i don't think it's as trashy or garbage as some of the other stuff like i don't think it was nearly as bad as dorororon it wasn't it was kind of generic but not really as generic as some of the other stuff it's not as bad i mean the other prediction i don't have on here because i don't know if it's out of volume yet is jingashi x i think that is already on the chopping block um that might I be a jump plus. I don't, there. I don't remember, remember what that is. Yeah, that is uh, Chinese Naruto. That's all it is. Oh yeah, fighting yeah, vampires tiger or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that actually might be jump plus. I don't remember exactly, but but yeah, okay. So let's talk about what will be replacing those four series that are going to get canceled. Um, so Tokyo Demon Bride last chapter this weekend. Week after that, April tenth, um, the first new series is called Tenmaku Cinema. Um, this is going to be a story about a high school student who loves cinema. That seems pretty generic. The interesting part here is the creator combo behind it. Um, this is by Shun Saeki and Yuto Tsukada. So these are the guys who brought you Shokugeki no Soma, Food Wars, um, which is an incredibly popular series and an incredibly popular anime. And yeah, it kind of has me hyped for this new series because that's a creator combo that I think has done good work in the past. Yeah, and I guess my question is, what is this even about? Uh, that's the first thing, because uh, the description is really nothing, right? Uh, yeah. And, and the second one is, how are they going to find a way to draw softcore porn in this? That is, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking, okay, it's these two guys again. And, you know, their big thing was blasting people's clothes off with uh, while eating. So, I mean, movies, maybe they shoot their own movie and there's something in there. I don't know. But I, I would... Yes, absolutely. This is going to have a large element of ecchi in it. Uh, I I bet I put money on it for with sure. these two behind the wheel. So, 
yeah, yeah, the, like the artist did hentai before Soma. So yeah, for yeah, sense. he did. Um, uh, also, same with the Tomochen uh, artist. Oh, really? I guess I didn't know that one. But yeah, I mean, I, honestly, a lot of artists. The uh, what's the other one? The uh, Nagatora Chan also did, did it. But yeah, I, I know that yeah. there's a few. But yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. This I'm keeping my eye on this one. Um, this one and the next one, I think, are the two higher chance of successes um yeah we don't have a whole lot of information on all of them we essentially have like a one line tagline not even tagline like a one line elevator pitch for each of these um but yeah the first one tenmaku cinema um april 12th in the u.s that sunday is when we'll get to see that um high school student who loves cinema after that in issue 20 uh we are getting a series called kiruayo by Tadatoshi Fujimaki. Um, this is the author of Kuroko no Basket. Uh, so that's okay, another okay. pretty popular series. Um, I have seen yep. clips from Kuroko Very no Basket, I, and I hate it from those clips. I don't think it's for me, but um, it's a popular series and a popular author who is proven uh, and curious to see them come back and do what they do. Um, I didn't get any information on Kiryo. I, I think a like hundred plus chapters of Kuroko. Um, it, it was fine. I, I think it's a weak sports manga. Uh, it, you haven't read any of it, right? No, I have not read it. Okay. I've seen a bit, but not too much. Uh, yeah, so basically it's it's just a basketball manga, but like Haikyuu, they, they all have like their strong suits, except Kuroko has like a superpower. Yeah, they're all like mutants, he... right? No, like, I mean, I guess. Uh, not technically, but like, is it the main guy's thing? Parts. You were telling me, I think, that the main guy's power yeah. is like he could just become invisible while he has the ball and nobody can see him. And it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, that, that, is, that is his superpower, yeah. Like, uh, and in real life, too. Like, he, he can just, he has, nobody can detect his presence. So right. when he's on the court, <laughs> like, nobody knows he's there. And the, the ball gets passed and they're like, whoa, a ghost caught it. Uh, it no, they're like, well, where did he come from? Whoa, what? I, I, ha- I, I have no object permanence. I didn't know he was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 fine. I like I, I can't shit on shit on it for basketball superpowers when Soma has cooking superpowers and I think Yeah, I mean good. it's not it's it's not an uncommon trope to kind of just dial up a normal high school experience. That's a lot a lot of what shonen is. So um it's this is really funny to think about like someone not seeing uh, <laughs> like a an, an open player is like whoa how did that happen? Yeah, uh, <laughs> for sure. This I'm trying to see if there was any more uh, information. Let's see. Okay, so this is based on a one shot that they did a couple of years ago called Kiruao Haru, which is, I think, shortened here to Kiruao. Assassin action comedy series in high school. So that's, I hate to say it, but we've seen that before. So we'll see how this does. We literally just talked about how <laughs> yeah. how that's a trope that everyone uses. That's yeah. crazy. Okay. I mean, this. I mean, uh, Tokyo Demon Bride Story kind of has this. Uh, Witch Watch is like bordering on. Okay, they're in school, and he's not an assassin. The, he's an ogre with super, like you know. There's so many things that have done family, this. The mafia family thing we just talked about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Bodyguard is also yeah. Bodyguard is also very similar to this. Um, uh, yeah. Hopefully, it's good though. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, again, I, it's a proven author. I'm curious to try it. Uh, I think, yeah, I think 
if they go a bit more fantasy and less this is real basketball where people are mutants with superpowers are playing, I think it'll work better. Um, yeah, I'm curious, yeah. curious to try it. So. Honestly, it's it's fine if it's if it's a completely tropey premise as long as they do it well. It's just that the the tropey premise already puts me at like a a quote unquote doubt situation. You know, yes, where I, I I agree. You've chosen. Yeah. Good ideas are a dime a dozen. It's so cheap to come up with a good idea. When your idea is high school assassin, that has been done. And we have seen it before, yeah. and it's not an original idea. And even, original ideas are cheap, so you should have one. Um, yeah, I. you've now cast doubt on this, even though I was I was more interested in it. Um, yeah, those, <laughs> are the, those are the first two. Um, we get two weeks where nothing is canceled. Issue 23... The next new series we get is called Dry Try. This is by uh, Jun Kirarazaka. Their previous work is something called Bone Collection, which I think was on Jumper Jump Plus years ago. Um, Sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounded familiar to me too, but I haven't read any of it. Um, Not super popular, obviously. Uh, Dry Try is described as a post-war boxing series. I got a lot of questions about this. One, post-which war? Um, and, and boxing in Shonen Jump is, this is, this is curious to me. This is a weird combination, not original necessarily combination, but an interesting combination. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I remember Bone Collection though, and, uh, a little bit, I don't know, uh, Bone Collection was, I, I, I saw a, a, a screenshot of it and I'm like, mm-hmm. holy crap, this is like a flashback that I wouldn't have remembered ever in my life again, yeah. you know? Uh, it was, it was okay. He, he can basically turn bones into weapons and fight monsters that's what they do like the, the, the i mean that's literally the plot of god what was that called skeleton double it, that's like that's it, the that was skeleton it, double a, which is published yeah it is the plot of kind of everything it is it, bone collection was just like Dorororon, you know where he he partners up with this bone demon there was some cute little guy or something the bone demon is cute right yeah it's a girl the it's the girl, girl. okay I, I put it up on screen yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean the the hope for me is always that authors that did not fully succeed on their first went and most almost all of these guys when i looked at them it's not like they've been writing nothing they've almost all published you know a one shot a year at least uh for shueisha or some series they they all obviously are grinding and hopefully getting better so um most manga don't make it on their first try very very few do uh one piece is a huge exception so. One Piece is an exception to what we're going to be honest. Yep. Um, any thoughts on the... If I told you this is going to be a post-war boxing series, what what time period do you think this is set in and what kind of story do you think this will be? War boxing series? Uh, yeah, I. It, this is after like the Cyber Wars um, okay. in, in 3000 and... Uh, this is this is going to be uh, that that movie where Paul Blart trained a robot how to box, or maybe I'm, it's Hugh Jackman. Yeah, it's, it's I was about to say Hugh, Hugh Jack. You're talking about Steel Rumble Steel, real Steel, real, real steel. steel. That's what it was. What yes. a stupid name. <laughs> I saw that movie in theaters. It was fine. Was it, was it good? I, it's I it's, it's, I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember hating it. I think it was one of those goofy generic. When did that come out? Like 2014, 2013, maybe? Yeah. It's just one of those action movies from that period. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually guessing that it's weird for me. Is this just gonna be a post-World War II period piece in WSJ? 
it reads uh, it reads to me like it. I mean, it reads to me like it might be, but I don't think that'll work. I don't think young boys and the people who read Shonen Jump want to read a post-war depression boxing series. So I don't know which war they're talking about. Generally, when you talk about post-war Japan, you're talking about post-World War II. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hey, you know what, Bruce? I don't want to read that. That sounds bad. No, I mean, it. Uh, yeah, I mean... So I'm, I'm any- hoping it's not like an actual historical event. Uh uh, unless they can they can really get into the characters and actually yeah i mean i'm i as much as good ideas are a dime a dozen i'm not about to dismiss good writing from a a weird idea um i'm with you there i'm not super interested in like a historical docu you know docu series about boxing post world war ii not something that interests me not big into sports manga so if it's really sports focused not for me but it could be character focused. It could have superpowers. It could not be post World War II. It could be post any war. Um, yeah, this one I think is the most, the most up in the air of what is this? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I like if post war always makes me think of World War II because that impacted yes. Japan like in a major enormous way. Uh, so I, that's what it feels like to me. Just based off of speculation and that seems the most the likely. Information. Yeah. It seems most likely, but I. I feel like I have, I, I mean, Demon Slayer is like kind of quote unquote post-war period. It's like 1920s, I want to say, is what it's like kind of related to. It's also fantasy. This mm-hmm. one also might be fantasy. Maybe there's magic or something in it. Who knows? Um, maybe it'll be like Crocono Basket and the boxer's superpowers. He can make himself invisible in the boxing ring. I don't know. I I don't want that, man. That sounds <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, there were, there were war crimes and terrible circumstances in this war. But also, this guy can shoot a fireball out of his punching glove. It's like, no, I don't want that. That's a total discrepancy right there. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I also, I'm concerned about this one because boxing, I don't want to say it's been done because you can retell a story again and again, but like Hajime no Ippo has done everything there is in boxing. Baki has done everything there is in fighting and boxing. Um, those kind of cover the two ends of mostly realistic to mostly unrealistic kind of boxing fighting stuff. And there's been a couple of others that have been um, big or in that realm. But I, yeah, I just don't, I don't know if any, I don't know if post-war appeals to the WSJ crowd. I don't know if boxing appeals to the WSJ crowd either. I can understand soccer or um, like soccer, volleyball, uh, baseball, right? All those things are things that most kids in Japan play or experience. Uh, Boxing is not. That is not a commonly involved sport. Um, much more common in the States here. But even then, uh, boxing is not something that I had in my high school. I don't know if you had it at yours. Surely not. But uh, No, I, I did boxing, though. Uh, I, I think boxing is cool as long as you you draw it well. You have to have really good art like yes. Ippo does, you know? Yeah, exactly. I did. It is... For the action scenes, it is very, very crucial to have those uh, drawn, drawn well. Plug for my action manga or video on the White Gray Black channel about Murata because he's the best. Um, for the last one, this is the one I think I am the most dismissive of. Um, this series in issue number twenty-four is called Nue no On Myoji uh, by Kawai Kawai Kaut. Kaut. I don't know how you would say it in Japanese. Um, they did some previous work that was just a one-shot. This is, I think, a new author who has not done much. Um, 
the description given here is, are you ready for this? Because it's a great idea. Yokai X school X battle. Oh. Yeah. You want to talk about dangerously generic? Uh, yeah. This one to me is, this one is already not sticking. So I'm, I'm much, this is the one I'm most dismissive of so far. Uh, yeah, like, honestly, none of these are sticking, but I have a limited description so far. I mean, it's a sentence or less, much, yeah. Yeah, and I'm not giving them very charitable reads based on the descriptions, so, uh, I, I'm just gonna say I'm neutral towards all of these until I hear more, and then, I, then I'll, yeah. I'll be hyped or not hyped. Uh, how, how did the, like, you saw the covers for them, right? Uh, uh, no, they do not have covers released, most of them not. Unless there was a one-shot to accompany them, which some of them do. Yes. I think we can, uh, we can assume with Soma that the art will be good. Um, yes, I think that is the one that I am least unsure of. I, cause at, at the very least, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, does Weekly Shonen Jump have, like, a a very etchy forward series running right now. It really doesn't, does it? Like, there's a little bit of stuff in, in all their things, I would think, but it doesn't really have, like, an etchy forward, a forward series, so this might be to fill that gap. Um, yeah, uh, the horny gap, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm trying, like, trying to think, like, what's the horniest thing on here? Like, is it... I said, my hero. <laughs> it's probably One Piece. It's probably the horniest it's thing. The One on Piece. It's, it's like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. It's it's probably yeah. just One Piece. Yeah, uh, I haven't read Undead Unluck. Uh, Witch Watch doesn't seem very etchy to me. Maybe a little bit. Oh, I, I guess Undead Unluck is kind of etchy. Undead Unluck um, has like probably a little bit. Yeah, but I I can definitely see a hole in uh, in WSJ of like, hey, we don't have essentially we don't have Shokugeki no Soma anymore. Can we just have it again? Can we just have an etchy forward? you know, weird battle, whatever thing. So, and, uh, in Undead Unluck, the main character, the main lead guy lead propositions, the girl, uh, like every chapter. So, oh, really? I remember that from chapter one, but I haven't read much past that. So, well, like the, the onus of it is he wants to die, but he's immortal. So he can't. And, uh, the girl has, is like terrible luck, uh, to anyone she touches. So he thinks, uh, by having sex, that he'll finally die. He'll, like, take her Which bad is, luck or something? Uh, yeah, because that's, like, the most intimate form of touching. And oh, uh, so okay. he, he's thinking it's, that yeah. luck will be so bad that... I remember uh, this from the... Yeah. yeah, I remember this from the chapters where she's, like, if you touch him, it's a little bit of bad luck. If you hug them, it's more. So, like, more physical contact, more bad luck. That... It's, like, based off of affection, yeah. if I remember correctly. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. That kind of lines uh, so, up, yeah, but, though it's yeah, a little I, weird. What, what an insane plot saying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was about to say, like, just, yeah. I'm going to have to read more uh, of Undead Unluck before the uh, anime comes out, just so I can I can see what it's what it's got going on there. But yeah, those are the four series we're getting. I'll run through them real quick. Tenmaku Cinema by Shun Saeki and Yuto Tsukata. Those are the Shokugeki no Soma guys. After that, we're getting Kiruayo by Tada... Taratoshi Fujimaki, who is the Kuroko no Basket author. Um, after that, we get Dry Try by Jun Kiranazaka. That's the post-war boxing series. And, after, and then the, finally, we get Nue no Anmyoji by Kawai Kort. Uh, which, the only reason to one-shot, brand new. That is the Yokai School Battle uh, Dangerously Generic series. Um, any other last thoughts on the four new series we're getting? The things that they will be replacing to be canceled in... Weekly Shonen Jump there. 
Yeah. So, uh, okay. Okay. Make your prediction. Which one gets the axe first? Um, without knowing anything. <laughs> uh, without knowing anything, I absolutely think the last one. I think generic. I, I think we have seen in the time that I've been paying and reading a lot of attention to WSJ the last two, two and a half years. Um, generic is bad. Um, nothing generic has stuck, right? Aliens Arena felt pretty generic to me. Dororon was generic. Tokyo Demon Bride was generic. I think anything that hits the generic uh, stuff does not last. So I think uh, Nue no Omyoji, the last one. Yokai School Battle, that sounds generic. I don't think that one lasts. Uh, yeah, what about that, you? That is a good call, because boring is worse than bad. Boring is worse than bad, yep. Uh, I'm going to say Dry Chari. Uh, just based off of post-war boxing series, I I don't know what that means. And I can't, I, it's like really hard in my brain to give that a charitable read. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't get it. But I would love to be proven wrong. Uh, I do like Bone Collection's character designs. So who knows, might be cool. Might be good, yeah. So we will be covering those as they come out. Um so we won't, it won't be the next episode, it'll be the one after, so you'll get it that episode, bah, 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 bah. April 13th or 14th, you'll see that episode come up, um, if you're looking for us to cover the first of those, the Tenmaku Cinema, and then week after that, and then three weeks later, and then four weeks after that. So yeah, those are coming out. Um, one last thing to cap off our uh, news, which I thought was an interesting thing I saw on Twitter, um, we read for a month or two the series Sonda by Beastars creator Paru Itagaki. Oh my gosh. Do you yeah. remember, Sonda? This is a series about a boy with the powers of Santa Claus who has amnesia and like awakens the powers and fights people mm-hmm. who want the powers of Santa. Is that, yeah, that is that correct enough? So um, yeah, and the, it the was, main girl wants to kill Santa. Uh, yes, but she's, she's on Santa's side. I It is weird. Um, Beastars, to me, Red is sort of a generic premise with like one twist on it. Uh, there's there's animals and the the meat eaters eat the, the plant eaters. The carnivores eat yeah. the herbivores. Um, and that is interesting. I and there was some interesting drama from there. Um, yeah, Beastars so, is very good. It, just because it had really solid character writing, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, and I, I liked what I've read of it, and I, I want to go watch the uh, I want to watch the series because I like Studio Orange. Um, Sonda is just this batshit. One of the yeah. wildest things I've ever read. It's also just not very good. I don't think <laughs> I, I dropped it because I didn't like it. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't. It, it, because none of the character, unlike Beastars, none of the characters were likable. Um, it was insane, of course, yeah, but I didn't. I didn't find it very compelling or inter- interesting to read, even if it was insane. Yeah. So anyways, that's on volume eight. So that's, we've gotten oh, wow. two, two and a half years of Santa by now. Um, Bro, what? That was, yeah. that was popular? It is it is apparently popular. I think the name Paro oh. Itagaki carries with it. I think the people who are fans of Beastars are willing to follow that author. I think it's a her. I don't remember. It could be a guy. Uh, it, I, it is. Uh, she said daughter didn't her dad make Ashita no Joe that immensely. I was about to say it- Itagaki uh, sounds like a, sounds like a thing. Pottery Itagaki, daughter of manga artist Keisuke Itagaki, grappler Baki. Grappler Baki. Okay. Okay. Well, we were just talking about Baki. So yeah, Baki, the grappler. 
apparently tip did Tekken 5 design also. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so... Oh, that's, that's so sweet, dude. I, I bet he's a proud dad. Good for her. Yeah, I mean, she's arguably more successful with Beastars than Baki ever was, although Baki is kind of niche. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I just I thought I would call out that Sonda is still going, and it's if you want something to be weird and wild and interesting but maybe not that good or if you really liked b stars uh check out sonda um we're not going to check it out but you can if you think it gets better after five or six chapters let us know uh because the first couple chapters were not very good I, it was it had nothing i liked about b stars in it so yeah. I, I, I i don't know i like read, read it and let us know what you think um yeah. i think actually the biggest part for me was that um itagaki's art for animals made sense when it was a little like off right it, it was kind of okay to have you know weird humps and weird hair positions and kind of weird uh like arm what's the word i'm looking for like people's bodies could be shaped weird because they were beasts they were animals mm-hmm. so that was okay um the people in zonda are also shaped weird and inconsistent and it's 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 not even a design thing. It's just a weird thing. Uh, well said. Yeah, they, they look like little alien guys, you know? Yeah, it's very strange. Let me actually... I gotta get... I'm gonna get... Yeah, sure, I'm gonna, sure, I'm gonna get a picture up on screen because I have to show you... I mean... Yeah, let me just... So, like, this is... These are the two... These are humans, by the way, right? Like, this is... They just look weird. I... Yeah, I don't it's know. Funny, it's funny you had to preface it. Yeah, yeah they they look so weird. They look weirder than I remember. Whoa, I, okay. Yeah, and this is and and this is like a color page, right? Where they get like more time and more details to sort of develop and draw a character. Um, yeah, it just didn't didn't work for me. But anyways, uh, if you're curious about it, check out Sonda. It's it's a weird one. Uh, cool. That's the news, and that's. That's the bulk of our podcast, but we're not done yet. Let's talk about some of the stuff that came out this past week. Um, I want to talk about a new series called Service Wars. Uh, this hey, is by yeah. an author named Tsuran Hatomune. Uh, they previously did a series called Mitama Security Spirit Busters. I remember hearing about this. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think I ever read it, but this the, the name sounds familiar. Um, that ran in uh, WSJ. Fast, but yeah, it's funny. It got less than a year. I think it got maybe 10 months of publication. Um, it ran, I think, in 2017, 2018, somewhere around there. Um, both of the, his previous works are gag manga. This is also a gag manga. Um, this might have a little bit more of a battle style. I think this is on Jump Plus. Um, I like this. Now, the premise essentially is you've got this guy whose name... Uh, let me see if I can remember his name. He had a really funny name that I think is a pun that uh, that I yeah not super important but the, the essentially the main character is the perfect waiter the perfect front of house service guy um, he runs into a dying ramen shop or is it soban soman soba shop soba shop maybe um, it's a soba shop because they get the soba cold noodles but oh, is it not a Chinese food place it's a Chinese food is it Chinese food place what I is, think so. Chilled Chinese yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Chilled Chinese yeah. movies. Yes, that's it. Um, but anyways, anyways, the whole gag is essentially he's he predicts, he guesses what people need. He puts on a show. Uh, the restaurant gets super popular because he stands out there and, and eats the noodles out in front and all this stuff. It's really goofy. It also, I've, uh, 
I, my previous occupation for uh, a little over three years was I was a professional chef. So I have interacted with, um, I have interacted with front of house people, with waiters, with good waiters, with bad waiters, with, uh, you know, diners, all different kinds of diners. Um, and so this resonates with me probably a little bit more than a lot, a lot of people, but I thought this was goofy. I thought it was funny. I thought the art was dynamic and good and interesting. Um, this is to kind of connect it back to some others I've talked about. This is filling a hole for me that Shokugeki no Soma left, right? Which is where is the kind of fun play on food and the service industry, which is, I mean, the service industry in general is huge everywhere, right? There's tons of restaurants and there's tons of front of house people all around. Uh, I would guess that 30 to 40% of everyone everywhere, some of you have worked in a restaurant, either back of house, front of house. It's a pretty broad, it's a pretty broad subject. It's a pretty broad experience that a lot of people have been through. And I'm surprised there's not more stories about it because I think it appeals, you know, speaking like, um, the high school experience as sort of a broad shared experience. I think working in the service industry is another pretty broad shared experience um, that you don't see a lot of writers go after, I think because they maybe not necessarily look down on it, but they don't think it's interesting. Um, but again, this is why I like things like Service Wars and like Shokugeki no Soma or uh, Silver Spoon, I think is another angle of approaching kind of the food service industry from the supplier's point of view um, that you just don't get many stories about. Uh, and I think those stories are easily relatable to a large handful of people who have that shared experience of working in a kitchen or uh, as a server in a restaurant or those kinds of things. So if you're one of those people, go check out Service Wars. If you also like manga, I think it's goofy and it's fun. Um, I see a lot of potential for this series. Uh, I hope it stays as goofy and fun as the first chapter was. Um, I hope it can bury some good character stuff in there also. I think it already did in chapter one. So yeah, it it is just a gag manga probably, but I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, did you read this, Gautam, and what did you think of it? Yeah, uh, the, yeah I did. Um, the main character is the exact same as the guy in the Spirit Busters manga. Yeah. Uh, not the exact same character, but, like, it's just the same character with a different name. He's just a complete fucking weirdo. Right. Uh, Hyper-focused and, on it, his one area of expertise, I would assume. And and just acts bizarrely, you know? Uh, but, yeah, no, I thought it was funny. I thought it was good. Uh, I'm interested to see how long the goof holds, if if not forever. Hopefully forever. Hopefully uh, the author has some good jokes in here that mm-hmm. don't feel repetitive. But uh, I will say, I don't think this style of humor is for everyone. Yeah, I personally I think it's good, but it, it does lean a little bit on the lol random side. So oh, I was zooming then, in. I don't know if you saw. I'm zooming in on who is that guy? He's trending, which I, is just to me is a hilarious gag to just like... <laughs> um, yeah, I I think you're right. It's definitely not it's it's not for everyone. It is a little bit uh the humor is in the non sequiturness of the character of he just saying doing random things, but they turn out to be the best thing in the situation always. But but yeah, sorry, keep uh continue whatever you were saying. Uh yeah, no, no, that that, that was about it. it. It's it's that type of humor, so it's not for everyone. So if if you have like a disdain for kind of wacky random humor hydrics, then you won't like it. Yeah. But if you it, if you're cool with it, uh, give it a shot. I think it has a strong first chapter, and we'll see mm-hmm. where it goes from here. Yeah. I don't think... It's not quite as lull random as, like, internet jokes in 2009. 
uh, but it is more of a modern, <laughs> modern twist on it, I guess you could say. Uh, Let me tell you, it's close. It's close. There's but a I, little I, bit the, of the it. The difference but... is it's funny. The difference is I think it's funny. Yeah, this is, it's uh, actually like, funny, right. and it has it has just enough context to not be lol random, right? This is not. Oh uh, god, what was the Reddit thing like ten years ago? It was like, does the narwhal bacon at midnight? Do you ever do you ever part of that? I didn't need to remember. That. I, hate, I hate saying it out loud. Yeah. I know I'm cringing. I'm sweating. I'm like legitimately sweating. <laughs> I'm cringing so hard. Um, yeah, not. It is not that bad. Um, but if, if you work in the service industry, if you like Shokugeki no Soma, Silver Spoon, uh, if you're interested in that kind of food service jokes, uh, stuff like that, I think this is a great series. Um, I'm excited. I hope people in the West keep translating it. Or no, this is on Jump Plus, so we're getting this from Manga Plus. So we should be getting this until it's canceled. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm keeping an eye on that Service Wars. Um, anything else to say about that? Uh, nope. Looking forward to the next chapter, though. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Gautam, you brought uh, something from across the pond across japan's pond what did you bring this week uh yeah it's called reincarnation of the suicidal battle god it's a manhwa and uh yeah it sounds like the same shitty title that most manhwa have uh they're all about reincarnation and going back in time and fixing your past wrongs and fantasy uh, tropes and stuff and, like that and, yeah. and fantasy tropes it's yeah. like a battle shonen uh type thing uh, yeah, I think it is fucking solid. I think there are a million of these. There are so many of these. A million billion. It's almost like, I, I, I don't even know. It's like Isekai is permanently trending uh, yeah, it in is, Korea, or reincarnation stories. It is, um, yeah, the reincarnation story uh, for Manwa is very much in vogue and has been for the past I don't know, three or four years, uh, much the same as Isekai is for uh, for anime and manga. So, yeah. And yeah, th this one, it starts kind of similarly to most of them. The difference is it doesn't have any source material, so it's not off like... I think that's a good start novel. generally, but yeah. It, it is, yeah. And the art is solid. Uh, and I, I think uh, there are so many of these, but so few that do it very well and i think this is one of the ones that does it very well uh yeah look at this mushroom guy this this mycelium knight yeah he looks fucking sick i know that's cool awesome i'm mushroom. i'm already noticing the art here is is better uh than a lot of stuff and also more i'm trying to think of how to describe the art i'm looking at um it's a little bit less less clean lined, I guess I would say, and more rough edged, um, which I think is a good decision for these authors. I, I notice a lot of Manwa is like, tell me if you've noticed this too. A lot of Manwa tries to be super clean with their lines and colors, right? They try to be very kind of bold, solid, kind of solid filled in stuff. Uh, stuff here is a little bit rougher, which I think is, I think is good and makes it look more interesting. Um, I'm looking at like the top of this mushroom night guy, is uh the lines there are kind of unclean and good and his his hand and arm these are not perfectly drawn uh perfectly drawn lines they aren't perfectly shadowed they aren't perfectly single color filled in like i see a lot of manwa do um and also there's a background on every single one of these pictures you gave so there's no empty backgrounds which is another one of my big um big complaints about manwa especially the action heavy ones is that a lot of times they just stop drawing the background and it's just white or an empty color uh, this one has not done that. Oh, this last page does kind of have an empty background, but there's also a lot of art occupying it. So, yeah. Um, 
I yeah, I, I mean, I it looks generic as hell. I haven't read it, so I'm looking at this and I'm going, this looks like every other manhwa I've ever glanced at. So yeah, it, it, and at the beginning, I, I'd say like the first eight chapters, nine chapters, it feels pretty generic, mm-hmm. um, or it feels like it'll potentially continue being generic. I think the main character is nuanced and well written. I think all like a lot of the characters are. Uh, I it has a lot of unique twists and turns, and um, I I like competent main characters that don't feel like invincibly omnipotent. Yeah. But like they they still fail. They still like run into unexpected situations. But you can tell they're highly competent. I I think that's a good way to write a character. Yeah. Uh, because I I feel like a lot of manga and manhwa. Uh, tend to make a Kirito type where they have no flaws, you know? Yeah, I, I think the I think the perfectly competent character is an incredibly difficult character to write successfully. I think there's only a couple of instances where I can say it's worked. I think Saitama from One Punch Man is one of the few times it works. Um, I mean, I would just, as a point of comparison to another manhwa, I would say the main character of Solo Leveling is a character who's written essentially after he gets his power up as nearly perfectly competent um and he's not a very good character right he's just perfectly competent he doesn't have anything else going for him um in general boss right like right and Uh, i've and he doesn't say he's like i was like he doesn't say anything he like uh, I, I I think uh, solo leveling's main character isn't the appeal. Of course, like we talked about, it's the art. It, the I mean, it kind of is the appeal because the power fantasy is the appeal. But yeah, there's no character writing really to speak of around him. Um, I I think we've talked about this on the pod before, but I like to think about characters as sort of three pronged, three kind of levels you can adjust, and um, competency is one of those, and the other two would be um, proactivity and sympathy. So a perfect character is one where they are perfectly competent which is the one that a lot of people try to lean into right they can overcome any battle they're in they're the solo leveling guy they're this dude they're um uh light yagami right is an example of a perfectly competent character he essentially always is three steps ahead of everyone who he comes up against until the very end spoilers um but then sympathy is how much is a character kind of likable or do they do good things uh, Light Yagami has a low, but the reason Light Yagami is a good character who's nearly perfectly competent is because he has low, um, low sympathy, right? He's not a good person. Um, a lot of these guys and all these stories are, they're just straight good people. They're just the best people ever. Um, and then the last one of those little ones is proactivity, which is how often do they sort of, they go out, they take charge, they do what needs to be done. Um, this is where, why Saitama is an interesting character. Saitama, doesn't really go and do anything. He he does when he's forced to, when his hand is forced, but he kind of just wants to sit around uh, and not really do his job, right? He's not going around looking for fights. He is not super proactive. He's kind of a lazy character, which is one of the reasons that makes him interesting as a hyper-competent character uh, is, is turning down one of those other character traits. So um, what I've noticed in Manwa is essentially that you get hyper-powerful characters who are all good or nearly all good, and they are also... Um, they also just always go and do the thing that they need to do. They're hyper proactive, they're hyper competent and they're hyper sympathetic in, in, in the way that sympathetic means they are going and doing good things or you will feel 
you feel they are a good a good person, a well-meaning person, that type of thing. So yeah, and that that's generally the hardest character to write is someone who is hyper good at all three of those things. I can hardly think of a character who is is really high in all three of those things that is a good character. Like Superman might be the only one, and not every instance of Superman qualifies for that. So yeah, and uh, I, I I think this character is interesting because uh, he feels that competency, but. He does morally great things for the betterment of humanity, mm-hmm. which, written in a, in a different light, could be a villain maneuver. But yeah. uh, which is more interesting I, I, already in the character. So, right, I, and I, I think uh, aside from this edgy look, it, it makes sense. He doesn't always have this, but uh, he got it. But aside from this edgy look, I I think what this story actually succeeds at is uh, telling a good one. It. And that's rare, you know, in power fantasies, you're not there for the story. And no, not really. it's very rare that the story is actually good. Uh, usually it's just in general service of the power fantasy itself. But this one feels like it has a world, like a, a solid world building foundation. And the narrative is actually compelling. So if you want a manhwa to read, that is like solo leveling, but better. It's this one. Cool. That's, I mean, that's a pretty, that's pretty high praise. Cause I know a lot of people like solo leveling. That's probably the most popular manhwa here in the west maybe tower of god is above it but yeah i I think solo leveling dwarfed everything yeah solo leveling was very popular one of the first yeah and solo leveling was really good that's another anime that's coming later that i think we talked about last week um because it got a trailer last week speaking of competency uh my issue with tower of god is that bam was more interesting when he was weak uh, that and, I think and, that again is yeah. those three levels, right? He was he was weak, but he was hyper sympathetic. He's very kind and good, and he was fairly proactive. Um, actually, was kind of maybe even low proactivity. Proactivity is the weirdest one of those where having it super high or low doesn't affect it so much until you turn one of the other dials up. But yeah, once I mean, yeah, the main I I don't know I, I don't like so or uh, I don't like Tower of God. I thought the writing it was discovery writing which we've talked about in the past right discovery versus planning writing right planned writing plans out a world plans out a story writes knowing what the ending is discovery writing doesn't know where it's going discovers it along the way um neither of those are inherently better than the other i generally do not jive with discovery writing as much um tower of god is a discovery written series i can almost guarantee you from from reading it and and experiencing it either makes up magic rules on the fly. Uh, something like JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is a series that's also discovery written, for better or for worse. Sometimes it leads to really fun, exciting things. Sometimes it's a little uh, meandering, but um, yeah. yeah. Even if it is discovery writing, I think Tower of God has a more interesting world than like 95% of things I read. It definitely, I mean, it uh, definitely has a unique, it definitely didn't go typical high fantasy. It has a cool, unique world. I, I, I don't fault it for that. I do fault it for occasionally just introducing a new part of the world to handle a plot thing they introduced in the same chapter that was never for, you know, the thing that, uh, the thing that discovery writing is missing for me is foreshadowing, which it is nearly impossible to foreshadow what's going to happen in 20, 30, 40 chapters. If you don't know what you're going to write in five or 10. So you miss that kind of edge of, uh, uh, that that planning writing has uh, something that is like expertly plan planning written is something like attack on titan right from the first chapter the the end of the series references the very first chapter written because that series was planned out expertly right that is a series that has been expertly planned even something like one piece i would say um 
is is pretty planned out in advance. I think there's a lot of discovery writing in One Piece from moment to moment, um, but it's planned out on a large scale, which I think a, a lot of writing is more is more that kind of writing. You plan out, you know where you want to go, you know some big moments, and then you discover kind of how to get there along the way. And I think that's the kind of series that One Piece is. Um, Attack on Titan is kind of... Let me see if I can do this on my camera. Attack on Titan is far on this side over here of planning writing, and then something like JoJo's is way over here on discovery writing. One Piece is kind of somewhere in the middle, maybe more off towards planned, but... Um, I, I would put it far uh, in the planned category because there's so much foreshadowing and so many payoffs. Yeah. I think it is impossible to plan one piece out completely it, it's just it just physically by how aging works it, it can't be done <laughs> yeah. uh but uh yeah I, I i agree with that uh yeah aside from that i i'd say this is probably my second favorite uh manhwa and my first is uh omniscient reader which... yeah we talked about that a couple weeks ago i think so i need to check out more manhwa i haven't haven't been getting I, the style of them generally doesn't appeal to me as much and i haven't liked any of them that I've read all that much. So, which is like Tower of God, Relife, uh, and yeah, Relife. Solo Leveling. So maybe those are the only three I've read. So I'm not super experienced in Manwa. Um, uh, you want me to tell you something, Bruce? Yeah. You see this picture in front of you right now? Yep. Uh, I I rotated it. Yes, because I, I was sure that you did. Yeah. Because... Yeah. <laughs> it was vertical. It was vertical yep. before this. Yep. The, uh. So... Just in case someone doesn't know, we're talking about Manhua. That's M-A-N-W-H-A or W-A. can be spelled either way. Those are Korean um, Korean internet comics. They are not Korean manga because Korean manga are different. Manga are published in a book. Uh, manhua are intended to be read on a cell phone, I would say, is kind of a core element of the, of the genre. So, yeah, all, all of the cool spreads, quote-unquote, that you would see in a manga that would take up two pages are rotated and long and skinny so i don't like that visually um there's some cool stuff in solo leveling but no one really my problem with it and you can tell me if you agree or not my problem with it is nobody actually uses the verticality of the long picture they just draw a horizontal image and flip it and i think that's stupid so yeah they do that every time you're right use the medium you are working in to make your art better if it's a vert, I this is what I was expecting from Tower of God, which I think was part of the letdown. Was like, oh, a tower is the perfect setting for a manhwa because it is a vertical image that you are constantly scrolling. There should be tons of cool vertical imagery to be put in, and then Tower of God just goes, nah. There's rooms inside, and it's just normal, whatever. I totally did away with it. So, I think they should have made the uh, tower horizontal as a goof. Just, 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 just a fun little Easter egg gag, just gonna, to just to piss you off. I'm gonna, we're gonna. I'm not even gonna address that. That feels, yeah. that frustrates yeah, me in a way that is hard to describe. Yeah, the last time I've been that frustrated is when I heard heard you say <laughs> the bacon normal bacon, <laughs> and you reminded me that Reddit Reddit said that at one point. Is which it is baffling to me that anyone can find it funny? It's yes. just like, how is that created? I don't, I don't know. It's what's even worse is Reddit was better when the narwhal bacon at midnight. And I said that out loud. All right, let's talk about Fryerin. Uh, <laughs> Fryerin, uh, I've forgotten the title of this. Beyond Journey's End is a Western title. Uh, Fryerin at the Funeral is what I like to call it because I think that's a cooler title. Um, 
Fryren returned last week, uh, but we did not discuss it. So we're two chapters in after a return from a hiatus where I think the author probably went to go work uh, with the anime studio, uh, do some consulting with them. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that, but that happens often. Um, yeah, Fryren has traveled into the future. This is chapter 109. Or no, oh, sorry, the past. Fryren has traveled into the past from the future. Um, they're doing a little battle with this demon guy and she's trying not to reveal that she essentially has a hundred extra years of magic learning and ma- she can fly in the future and she's not supposed to know how to fly. She can use soul track, which is apparently faster and uh, yeah, that, mana efficient that. or something. So she can't, she shouldn't be able to use it now. No, if she uses it now, it's possible they would learn about it, know about it and change the results of the war. She kind of thinks about that. So, uh, really interesting two chapters here. Um, a lot of kind of setup for the story. I assume this is going to be a, a decently long arc. It feels like, um, but yeah, how, how do you feel about these sort of time, this time travel trope, these, uh, Friar and kind of not using magic and seeing the original heroes party in action. Everything about this chapter hit, uh, and here's my reason for it. She's using the old magic and she's not flying because she doesn't want to change the timeline or fuck it up. Uh, you couldn't find the past, like you said, and she's using this fire magic, which she considers slow, because Soul Track is that from like the early chapters that one demon invented it. Uh, it bypasses all defense and instantly kills things. Yes. And in the future, they have and a it's defense like for instant it. fast. It's like extremely fast. It, yeah. It's like a gun. It's like using a gun. It is kind of yeah. Now that you say that, it is kind of like all of these old magic in this time are using like bows and arrows, maybe like maybe like a. Uh, black powder musket or something and yeah and Fryerin has soul track which is just like a like yeah just like a nine millimeter gun or something like it's yeah it, it, yeah like, so it, easy like, to a, kill a wooden, with soul track exactly like a wooden shield could block an arrow but if you pull out your glock you're not going to block that with a wooden shield um and yeah so that that is basically the onus of it uh she is with her old party members who are all dead in uh in the future because of aging and uh, they they see through her like immediately. They know her too well. They yeah, know that she's right. holding back. She... And at the end of the chapter, she has to just say, "Hey, yeah, uh, don't tell anyone. Don't uh, don't tell anyone about this." Uh, yeah. I thought the demon's power was also cool. His power was that uh, in the previous chapter, he teleported Freyren into the air in hopes to kill her because uh, mages can't fly yet. Yeah. Well, he said, I think, was it maybe at the beginning of this chapter, he said, like, oh, he teleported her, you know, like a mile up in the sky and is like, assume I have her hostage. I can bring her back or something if you want. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess he has the power just to teleport things he touches wherever he wants, which is cool. Yep. Uh, teleport what, what he touches and himself, apparently. Um, awesome, crazy power. He teleports like a huge part of the mountain, as you see in this panel. Yeah, yeah, which is, I thought this is a cool, just a cool visual, right? To just have him like touch yeah. the mountain and teleport a big chunk of it away. Uh, and yeah, it turns out Freyren, um, his, her party's like, hey, you're, it's like, she's like, why aren't you guys freaking out? And she's like, oh, you're going to deal with that, right? Like, you're clearly holding back. And she's like, yeah. okay, don't tell anyone. I'll deal with it. I do. And she, she just blows it up and uh, flies and soul tracks this dude. Just uh, pulls out her pistol, yeah. caps him. <laughs> just a drive-by on this dude. Um, I like... One of the things I like about this chapter the most is that... In, so it's really hard... 
we're going to touch talk about writing the rest of the time today. It's really hard in writing to separate what you know as an author from what your characters know. Um, and oftentimes that'll slip in, right? So the author here knows that Fryron is time traveling, that Fryron is too powerful. Um, and the author does not let that slip into its character's thoughts. The character's thoughts are just, Fryron's been keeping secrets from us. She's always been like that. She's always been reserved. Clearly something else is going on. She has some secret related to this. And so when they call her out, they don't go. They, the author doesn't let this sort of larger secret slip in. It kind of plays the secret from the character's point of view, which I think is just, like we've seen with Fryron, is incredibly good writing, incredibly good character writing. Um, yeah, and it's just a, a golf clap kudos for that, for just for the characters being able to call out that something was different and wrong with Fryron without them being like, are you really our Fryron? You aren't acting like her. Instead, instead just saying, seems like you're keeping a secret, you're cutting off, you should be honest with us, you know you have to be honest with us, you can do something about this right um, and I'll just like, it just works out in, in the, in the nicest way. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and yeah, that's a good call out. Um, it is good writing and it, more good writing is in addition to what you mentioned is, uh, that it, it explains exactly why they know she's, she's a little different than usual. Mm -hmm. Like she shoots a fireball to mitigate damage, right? Like to, as a support fireball. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Himmel's like instantly is like, oh, she doesn't usually do that, you know. Uh, it, Himmel is incredibly perceptive as well, which I think mm. is, I, I don't know, they they do a, a good job establishing these these characters because it, it's incredibly believable that they know each other so well, and it's also charming that they know each other so well. Right. Like yeah. I, I think they're innately likable within one chapter of a fight in some discussion, you yeah. know? And I think you pointed out maybe, was it last week's chapter where you noticed that Himmel noted like all of these really detailed things about Fryron coming back and being different in the situation they were in and the demon and all that stuff. Um, right. Yeah. Which, yeah, which again, like you pointed out is really cool. I, in reading sometimes I'm trying to think how to say this. I have to ask myself why, why, that's, I have to ask myself why. Why this Why this in the story now? Why reintroduce, essentially, and reattach the reader to these characters who, two of which we know are already dead? Um, why, why are we and why is Fryrin going back to experience this? Um, I have some predictions, uh, but the truth is I'm not sure. Part of me wants to say that Fryrin, the character, needs to experience this because this is pretty. This is pretty broad meta discussion about the whole of Fryrin. So if you aren't if you aren't caught up, you might be a little lost here. But um, it's clear to me, and I think you and I have discussed this a lot, Gautam, that um, the story of Fryrin is about Fryrin being more open and being more willing to be attached to people with shorter lifespans than she has, in order to spend more fulfilling time with them uh, overall because, and that comes off the back of in the first chapter or two, her losing uh, the hero Himmel and the other guy whose name I am now forgetting. Uh, uh, the priest. The dude, priest yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, those two are dead at the end, by the end of chapter one, I want to say. Um, and she essentially never got to tell the hero Himmel that she was in love with him. Right. And she was just because, you know, she, 
was not open enough and did not know and maybe didn't want to commit to spending time with someone who had a shorter lifespan. But all of that to say, it's it's clear to me that the journey of Fryron is going from, um, you know, I am essentially an immortal who's lived for thousands of years and I'm not going to be attached to humans to I missed my chance with one group of humans and I will not miss my current chance is where she's growing towards, right? And I, I, I think that that journey with Fern and the other Axe guy, that's the journey we're on right now. So I'm wondering, okay, if we kind of are introduced to Fryrin in her regret from losing these characters that she's around now. Um, and I, 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 I don't know what angle the author is going for reintroducing and reattaching us to these characters. Um, and I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what Fryrin is going to get out of this and I don't know what we're going to get out of this, but I'm excited to find out. Uh, I have a, I have kind of an opinion on what I think it is. Um, yeah, let's and, and just one small correction. So, uh, some, um, actually people don't freak out the, the priest guy dies, uh, when she like of old age in like chapter five, when she gets, uh, fern. Yeah, okay. I couldn't remember exactly what it was, but it's very start of the series. It, 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 yeah, you, you were right either way. Uh, yeah. He dies of old age as well. Um, they both do, right? Him, uh, him, the hero and and the, priest, and the old yeah, guy. They, yeah, they, they both just look, die of old age. So yeah, they just die of old yeah. age. I mean, the whole the whole um, the whole premise of the series is the these group of four people that you see here that she's time traveled back into. They defeated the Dark Lord, and it's like fifty years later, and that's chapter one of Fryron. So, and Fryron is an elf, and she hasn't aged, and the other uh, the Dwarf also doesn't age or ages a lot slower, but the other two are humans and they're dead or dying. So, yep. And um, yeah, you're. I think you're spot on with her new party. She's trying to make good memories. Uh, like even though she did it the first time around, she didn't value them and mm -hmm. treasure them as much because she is an elf and lives to regret that. Uh, God, that sounded like a darn movie. <laughs> yeah, she lives to regret it. <laughs> uh, no. So I, I think the motivation behind going to the past is her ultimate goal in this series and what they're working towards at the moment is to see Hero Himmel's like ghost in the spirit realm and uh, mm -hmm. so she could spend time with him and send him off properly. I think going back to the past is to characterize these guys a bit more. So you there's more emotional resonance for the audience uh, to get behind that goal. Because mm -hmm. yeah, at the moment you get you have one chapter and some flashbacks of all the heroes' party. So I think this serves as just characterization and character development for them. The one concern I have, or not concern, is like this is gonna be tricky, is how is her going back to the past? Like how do you write that mm -hmm. without invalidating her ultimate goal of treasuring her moments with him when she's doing that right now, right? Um, right, right. And uh, I, I have no idea, but this author is really talented, a better writer than me. Yeah, so same. I'm sure I'm sure they will deliver. Yeah, I think I think you've hit sort of on <clears throat> on my main question there, too, which is if this was the climax of the story and the the final event was she's teleported back and gets to spend time with them, I would kind of predictably, I think, know what was going to happen. Right. She'll. She'll tell the truth. She'll bear her feelings because she didn't get a chance to. That's what'll happen because that is the character growth of Fryron, right? From from keeping secrets and not being honest with herself and letting her party die before she can tell them how she feels to 
getting a chance to tell them how she feels in the past. I think that's why this feels like such a tricky situation is because part of me wants that catharsis of, well, you know, you know, in a, in a perfect cathartic release, the next chapter, Fryron just says, you know, like, I love you, Himmel. I've always loved you. You died. I'm from the future. I'm so sorry. I'm going to value people, blah, 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 right? You just kind of get that, you get that kind of release of she's grown, she's changed from chapter one, she's arrived at uh, ready and willing to be honest, but all of that being said, I don't think this is the end of Fryron. I don't think we're anywhere close. Um, yeah, we're in this weird, unique middle position, so that's why I think I have all these questions. I think we both do kind of, of okay, how is this going to be handled, and what is the point of it? And I, I, I don't want to say what is the point of it in like a, a negative rhetorical way, like, what's the point? It, more of a serious question, like what, like what is, why are we here with Fryrin, and what is she going to learn or get out of this experience? Um, I guess what I'm really curious about is what, what character growth or character push are we going to get? I assume actually that this there might just be one or two more chapters of her talking with the party, and she'll post some hypothetical question, and they'll tell her, and she'll go back and she'll value Fern and the Axe Kid more or something. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's so curious and interesting to do this kind of at this point of the story. Um, but I, I'm with you. I trust the author to do it well because the author has not miswritten a single time. I don't think Fryron is an amazingly written series. So yeah, and um, I, I guarantee you though, uh, Fryron still doesn't understand romantic love. Like I'm sure she she loves yeah. Himmel and the rest of her yeah. party, but I am positive she does not understand that about herself. You know. Uh, and Himmel proposed already. Like, I think so, yeah, and I think she doesn't... With, with the ring. She didn't get the meaning. She yet, doesn't like really the... understand it in the way. Yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see. That's really interesting to point out that you don't think she'll understand romantic love. That that might be what this the arc is about because we haven't... We've kind of been shown that maybe she does understand it now more, but that just kind of informs her regret uh, in the present time. So... um. I curious see, I, yeah. to describe. I think she feels it i think she feels romantic love but i don't think she understands or defines that you know because right. she cared about the ring he gave like the, the crappy little ring that he gave her forever ago she like, right. had to go searching a forest for it um and it's not like a magical trinket or anything like that yeah it's just sure. uh so yeah i i'm kind of curious as well like like you said just to see what her growth coming out of this is yeah yeah super i'm yeah always paying attention to Fryron. One of the best things every week. So, so glad it's back. Um, and yeah, I, again, I think the, the curiosity and the investment that clearly we, both of us, and I think a lot of other people already have in this arc, um, is testament to already good writing. Um, all of the setup and work that we've referenced all the way back to chapter one of Fryron about, you know, how important the hero's party in that journey was to informing where her character starts and to go back to it. I mean, good ideas are, are a dime a dozen. I've said that, but like, this is a good idea to put in the story and it's intriguing enough, even though nothing has really happened yet and it's well-written enough to keep going. Yeah, I, I get, can't sing the praises of Fryron enough. It's one of the best things. I think we voted it best writing or best arc in our award show at the end of the year last year. So, um, I, Yeah, I think it was the Mock de Feldorado arc. Right, which is... Arc. Yeah, super super good. Phenomenal. Super yeah. super good arc. Yeah, you could probably go and read. You could go and read that without knowing much else about the series and probably understand it. Uh, 
I'm well, they're going to make that. Here's here's bold prediction. Mock Del Dorado will be adapted as a movie uh, in, I don't know, three years, four years. Um, it'll be super big. But you yeah. What? A good prediction, and as it should be. Give it a budget, man. Yeah. I mean, so it can't praise Fryerin enough. Super interested, super curious where it's going. Uh, any last thoughts on Fryerin before we move on to our extra stuff? Uh, no, like you said, it is phenomenal. Um, go read it. Yeah. Yep. Fryerin is good. Uh, so that's it for Manga Talk. Let's just go over some of the other stuff that we've been doing or, or consuming this week. Gautam, you saw John Wick 4, I assume? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. Uh, it was great. I think the story was complete nonsense. Okay, but well, the, that's the same as the other three, then. Uh, yeah, well, I thought the story in one was pretty good. For, yeah, for an action I, movie especially about the like, most bare it's a pretty bare bones story but it serves the purpose in one yeah i think i think this one was just like like the other like two and three were it was convoluted and silly um but who cares when the this just had the best action choreography of any movie i've ever seen in my life really um do you think this is yeah. better than the other john wicks even because i think i mean the choreography in one and two i think is some of the best fight choreography i've seen in a movie ever um Especially outside of um, uh, Hong Kong and China, who the Hong Kong action I think is great, the Jackie Chan style. Um, I, but, it is, I, and yeah, I've seen I've seen a lot of kung fu movies too, and and this does beat two and three to answer your question. Like, wow, okay. It, it is, I think some of the cooler, like my favorite, like takedowns were in three, but uh, the. Overall, this just has the best action I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. So I have not seen three, which is why I didn't go see this with you, which is totally fine. Um, because I'm trying to think. In two, the shotgun hallway was really good. Um, but I mostly remember from John Wick one the like dance club fight that was a really good one. Oh, and then in two, I remember the uh, the silenced guns in the train station and the pencil. That's another big one. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff to remember. And the car at the start of two is also like a great scene. Um, there are a million of those moments in four. Yeah. Um, my favorite one was in three when he, he uses like a minute and a half of screen time putting together this old World War pistol uh, and uses it for one shot and one kill, and then <laughs> he's done with it. Uh, That's so good. That was, it was, it was really. I need fun. to watch three um, and I need to go see four because they're they're fun and they're they're good movies. How would you would you rank them? Rank them one to rank all four movies in order of your favorite to your least favorite. Uh, this used to be a funnier answer when there were three because it was one, two, then three. Um, yeah. Now it is one, four, two, three. Okay, cool. So four is just better than two and three, and you think, but not as good as one. Uh, yeah, and I, I only think one is the best because it had the most cohesive story. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I am with one and two, but because yeah, yeah, I mean they both have they both have good action. It's hard to be like, well, the action just got even better. It's sort of like it's the same good action, just different set pieces, different uh, different fun stuff thrown on top, but. Cool. I don't know how to say this, but the action did get even better. I uh, mean, they have more budget, yeah, is is what you're telling me. Probably is they have more I, money to do cool things with their with their genius uh, choreo choreographic brains. Uh yeah, it, that was like a three hour movie, Bruce, and it felt like ninety percent of it was action. <laughs> I mean, that's how the others have been, right? It's like yeah. he walks into the hotel once and talks to a guy for five minutes, and the rest of the movie is action, pretty much. Uh, one critic did say that it felt like Keanu Reeves delivered his lines in this movie like he was he learned to speak English for the first time. 
Um, I mean, and I would agree. It was bizarre. His delivery in this movie. I love Keanu Reeves. I think he is a wonderful person. I think he is a shining light of goodness in a place, Hollywood, that is not always full of good people. I do not think Keanu Reeves is a very good actor. Um, yeah. I, I mean... <laughs> I don't know if there's anything I've seen him in where I've gone, wow, Keanu Reeves, I, even where he has disappeared into a role, right? So there's kind of levels of good acting. There's like, you know, disappearing into a role, you don't notice him, whatever. Every time I see Keanu Reeves, I go, wow, that's Keanu Reeves. Wow, he's not a very good actor. Um, what is it? The Drac- uh, yeah, 1990s like, Dracula movie is one of the worst right. things I've ever seen. Like, yeah. I think his, be- his best acting role was actually Bill and Ted. I was about to say, I legitimately think Bill and Ted or like maybe Speed is the best acting Keanu Reeves has ever done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually I like him as Constantine. If you've ever seen the Constantine movie, I think he does a pretty decent I job at that character. Um, do you know Donnie Yen? Yes, uh, I do know Ip- Donnie Yen. Ip-Man? Yeah, he's an antagonist in this movie. Ooh, uh, okay, he's a great action guy. Um, he is such a show stealer. He, he I yeah. Awesome. Um, um, is Donnie Yen yeah. in Hero? Who's in? Have you ever seen that movie, Hero? I don't think that's Donnie Yen, is it? I thought you were talking. I thought you were talking about the TV show, and I was like, "That's that's racist." <laughs> Donnie Yen. No, uh, I I don't know. I haven't seen that. Uh, uh, d- 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 weirdly, yes, he, he is in Hero. Okay, if you okay, that, my suggestion for you: if you haven't seen the movie Hero from two thousand and two, go watch it. That that is one of the coolest kung fu movies I have ever seen. It's maybe actually the best kung fu movie like ever it's so good um it has uh, uh it has tony leung who was the dad in shang chi he's in it um it's I, oh i i've seen this i just don't remember anything about it yeah. i've seen it like i think every jet lee movie he um, i'm trying to remember what the premise of it is he had he like tell stories about his fights with all these like different colored situations it's very kind of like how do I even describe it? Like middle fantasy where it's like, uh, it's a guy telling stories. So you don't know if the sort of creativity and magic of it is in his storytelling or if it's reality or not. I don't know. Hero's a really cool movie. Um, but yeah, Donnie Yen is, yeah, Donnie Yen's a, he's an action hero. So. He's great. Uh, and he plays a character named Kane and mm-hmm. uh, he is a blind man and he, he's named that because he has a cane that he fights with. There you go. That sounds like John Wick uh, writing to me. What what do we yeah. name the guy with a cane? Kane? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's it's weird because he also played a blind character in Rogue One. So I don't oh, know why yeah. they're typecasting him as blind characters. Um I I will say, uh final thought on John Wick, every fucking assassin in this movie is is just a theater kid from high school. Really? There are so like so many theatrics. Where they could be killing each other, they they they're like, there are two different kinds of men in this world. A monologue, yeah, like it, it's, it's so much of that. And like uh, at the very beginning of the movie, like uh, one of the assassin leader guys, he gives another character a deadline of one hour uh, okay. to go report somewhere, and instead of just saying, "Hey, you have one hour," he he. He's been lugging around this briefcase, which he opens up, and it has a gigantic hourglass. He's got a clock in it. Yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, an hourglass that he with it's like twenty pounds of sand he's just carrying just for this bit, just for this prop. He's using it as a prop. Yep. I, I, it's like it's so funny and goofy. Uh, the really yeah, good movie. The, the yeah, the showmanship of it sounds great. That sounds like a good John Mc, uh John Wick ride. Um, anything else yeah. on John Wick there? Nah, nah. That's cool. about it. Um, I have been reading a seinen dark fantasy manga series called the witch and the beast um this is by kosuke satake um this series is really good uh i generally won't bring something here that's not very good uh so keep that in mind uh there's selection bias here because if i read a lot of stuff and only one of them's good that's what i'm bringing to the podcast um this this is so this series is about um these two characters who are on the cover here who work for kind of like a secret magic agency that hunts witches and other things. Witches are kind of like the, are generally like the big bads of the world. Magic is decently well known about. There's like a group called the Paladins who are like uh, magic police who usually handle witches. Um, these guys are more of like undercover secret, not really secret police, but more like, uh, I don't know, secret agent types. Um, but they have cool powers. Interesting. It's it sounds kind of shonen-y when I describe it. Like, oh, they find a witch and they fight her. But it's like really character focused, um, really dark, really intense. Um, lots of cool dark fantasy imagery with like bats and werewolves, and the magic stuff is really cool. Um, and the the two main characters have this have great interplay, which I think really like really makes the series work. Um, the girl is like she's i don't know what she is exactly uh she has fangs and is very strong and is maybe some kind of magical entity whose power is being held back by the guy the guy is also magically talented but he has not called himself a witch or a wizard or a mage or anything like that so they're pretty shrouded in mystery but the way that they talk to each other um the girl's kind of the fiery the firebrand character and the guy is much more calm, cool-headed, stay back. Um, so they play off each other a lot really well. And really, it's just episodic stories kind of around these two or other people going and confronting different witches that all usually have kind of other characters they bring in that have little character arcs and stuff. But it's, I mean, it's really well-written. I think it has really nice art, um, pretty decent action paneling, really cool dark fantasy style. Um this is, you know, if you're a fan of Berserk and Claymore and stuff like that, this is more modern, uh, sort of modern-styled fantasy, uh, but it is kind of just dark fantasy-styled in more of a modern way. Um, really good. Can't recommend it enough. Gonna keep reading it. I believe this is finished publication maybe two years ago, maybe last year. Um, I think it ended in 2021. It's maybe eight volumes total. No, it's like ten volumes total. Um, I think I've read through maybe three or four of them. So, yeah, just, I mean, just a really cool, really good dark fantasy seinen. Like, a, a nice adult series that's really well written and has cool action and cool world building and cool magic effects and that kind of dark fantasy gritty vibe that, uh, you know, I feel like everyone is kind of looking for that after Berserk. Uh, and it's 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 hard to find good seinen that have, um, like, good action in it right like most of the good action nowadays is in shonen i would say like the 99 percent of it so um to get a seinen with like good character writing good interesting kind of world building good characters i already said that but i'll say it again because they're really good characters and good cool action and interesting magic i 
it's just a, it's a really good series. I'm really excited to keep reading it and finish it. Presumably from your description, he is the witch and she is the beast, right? I don't know. Uh, all of the witches in the story so far for me uh, have been women. And all of the witches that have been described have been women or girls. Um, so that they only... I maybe, I don't know, 30, 30 or 40 chapters in, and they only a couple chapters ago finally said like, oh, by the way, witches are descended from these 12 bloodlines of these original witches, blah, blah, blah. So it's, I very much think he could be a witch. He has never described himself as that. No one else has ever called him that. Um, he does have magical powers, but we have seen other people with magical powers that are not witches. So yeah, I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. I think the twist reveal end might be something like oh he's actually he's a witch even though they're witch hunters and she's the beast um she is clearly the beast i would say although maybe not maybe she's a witch he's the beast and it's reversal but the fangs the fiery personality sounds like she's the beast and i think like the implication the witch and the beast implies it's the two of them right like one of them is one of them yeah uh, i mean the the sort of plot initial kind of overarching plot is that she's trying to find a witch because if she finds the witch who placed this curse on her that makes her strong and beast-like if she kills that witch that curse goes away so that's kind of her driving force um but there's like another it's very again it's not super focused on this overarching plot um but she also, they also kind of bring up that like, oh, or they can find another witch who, if they're nice and good, could cast a spell to reverse it or something. So they're, the witch and the beast could be about her and the witch who originally cast the spell on her. Maybe that's the overarching plot for the end. Uh, maybe he's the one who did it. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm trying to see if I can find like... Yeah, I mean, this will probably sell more of you on the series than that picture because... It's just like that's that's the main character. That's one of the two main characters, and she's very cool designed. It's has a very cool modern dark fantasy look. Um, but she's one hundred percent the beast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, more than um, so. So not to be witchist, but like witches curse people a lot. Yeah, and... the witches in this series have been almost all bad. Um, I think we just met like one, the first like not bad witch, and she still was not. Like, totally good she was just kind of more neutral so but it's like it all feels so petty right like it's like instead of just killing this girl they're like i'm gonna give you feral tendencies but also give you superpowers and you have to live with that fuck you later. yeah well i mean there's it's like, witches in, are all just petty yeah i mean in standard dark fantasy fashion there's a lot that has not been explained that may not be explained it is kind of leaving it up uh, a lot of it it is a i would say a very soft magic system it isn't hard to find rules uh Although they've defined some some of the rules, like necromancy is like a thing you can just do. Like if your loved one dies and there is a uh, a magic user who knows a necromancer, you can just go and pay them to revive your loved one and they will stick around and you have to like take them in for maintenance. But that was like the, the last plot, uh, like two of the last uh, stories I read were just about like, yeah, just like unlicensed necromancy. And a guy like made too many copies and they went wild. And then this other witch has to like go in or this other necromancer has to go in and be like, your necromancy is bad. I'll show you how to really do necromancy. And she has her, they literally call them death knights, which I don't think that's trademarked by uh, Blizzard. But yeah, the other, the good quote unquote, good necromancer and her death knights come. And yeah, I mean, it's just really cool and interesting. Uh, Like it's just a really neat angle on dark fantasy sort of 
like 19, it feels sort of like 1920s to 40s, like setting dark fantasy. There's cars and it's, it's, it's modern, but not, you know, 2023 modern. It's modern age, mm-hmm. age of modernity, uh, the modern like, art style, right? Modern art started in what, like 1850 or something. So it is in that age, but yeah, it's really good. I cannot recommend it enough. Very, very good series. It sounds like Industrial Revolution era. Yeah, which, yeah, but yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's cars. You can see here that it's like, yeah, there's there's buildings. There's a a zeppelin in the background, but yeah, so not uh, not cell phones, but modern age, nineteen, you know, early twentieth century, I guess I would say. But it's a fantasy world, so it isn't completely analogous. But yeah, I recommend that. That's the the Witch and the Beast by Kosuke Satake. That seems cool. It seems like a good read, honestly. I might yeah, give out. give the first couple chapters a read and. Yeah, it's very good. I think once you get through the first sort of like multi-chapter arc, which is maybe like chapters like five to nine or something like that, it's like that's what hooked me because the first couple chapters are kind of on their own and then you get to like a big three or four chapter arc and it's like, yeah, that's really good. And then the, the last two arcs have been like eight or nine chapters each. So, Got it. And how long is this? Are you almost done? I think I'm about halfway through. So if it's 10 volumes, I think I'm uh, either started or in the middle of volume four. So I think I have six and a half volumes left, so. About halfway. Got it. Well, sweet. Anything else? I think I am good there. Cool. So thank you, everyone. Oh, and I closed. I closed my browser, so I lost my script. Thank you for listening, everyone, to the White Gray Black Manga Podcast. I am finding White Gray Black. I closed my script and I was like, oh yeah, I moved all the scripts up to the end. So I have to, <laughs> I've read all this stuff now. Thank I'd you. Thank you for listening or watching. Uh, thanks for sticking around to the end. Um, if you want to check out the VOD of this, they will be up on the WGB weekly manga podcast channel on YouTube by the end of the week. I'm going to try to get up that, get that up tonight. Um, if you want to listen to us as you walk your dog, like I do, with my favorite podcasts. We are on all the major podcast providers. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Samsung Podcasts, a couple more, uh, and we're on the RSS community if you want to download the podcasts. Um, Don't forget, if you enjoy either watching or listening to us and you want to support us, first of all, head to the White Gray Black YouTube channel or the WGB Weekly Monica Podcast YouTube channel. Give those a like, click the little bell. Uh, was it like subscribe, click the bell for notifications. Um, we do podcasts once a week, so you'll get all of those. Uh, if you follow us on any of those podcast things, give us a like there. Um, the best thing you can do for us is just keep watching, keep listening, um, and give us positive feedback by clicking a little thumbs up. That's all you got to do. Um, if you want to Support us a little bit more. We do have a Patreon. That is at patreon.com slash WGBmanga. There are bonus episodes there, so if you like us enough to want to listen to bonus episodes, go ahead and give us some money. Um, Any amount of money is good. It will help us do this more. It'll help us upgrade our gear. It'll help us get uh, more time to do this, essentially. If we don't have to do our day jobs, that's a a distant dream, but you never know. Um, Yeah, that's about it. Check me out on Twitter uh, at WGBmanga. I tweet mostly about manga there. Some talk about some of these things um yeah as always thank you so much for being with us catch you later don't forget to read more manga